Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome back. It is Thursday, February the 9th, 2023, 7 a.m., and I am delighted to be with you this morning. hope that everybody's week has gone well. Y'all, it's a big day in the history of daily devotionals. I think this is daily devotional number 453 today, but... That's not why it's a big day. It's a big day because we are finishing the gospel according to John. I say we are. Hopefully the technology continues to uh, to agree. And by the way, if something happens, if it freezes up, come back later or go to the sermon audio later in the morning and you can find it there. But this is the last day and I did some counting. I think that this is devotional 110 unless I'm mistaken. Devotional number 110 from the Gospel according to John. And by looking back at it, we began our study on the Gospel according to John on, when was it? 3-2-2022. So, just under a year. So, that's uh, pretty remarkable there. But nevertheless, here we are. Um, we started March the 2nd, 2000, no, March the 22nd, 2022. So we almost did an entire year. Now, we took some breaks, took some time off for summer, for Christmas, other things like that, vacation, that sort of thing. But what a ride it has been and what a way to end. Maybe you recall me saying a couple of days ago when we got to the end of chapter 20, there were a whole lot of people that said, oh, wait a second. And, and maybe a whole lot isn't accurate. There's a lot more now than there used to be. But there is a group of people that say John ended in chapter 20 and chapter 21 was just added on later. But I would assert to you that that is simply not the case. Not only does that bring into question the integrity of all of God's word and God's ability to preserve his word. But beyond that, I think the ending fits perfectly. And I'm going to show you why. Now, as we've gone through, remember chapter 20, we have Thomas doubting the Lord appears a week later. There's only one loose end, and I referenced this yesterday. The loose end is Peter. The last time Jesus really interacted with Peter prior to what we got to yesterday, where Peter jumped out of the boat and we talked about some of those things that might have come to Peter's mind as he did that. Then we talked about gathering in the catch and how this is an eyewitness account. But prior to this, the Lord's last significant interaction with Peter and just Peter was really in the upper room where he predicted Peter's betrayal, Peter's denial of him three times. And of course, we know that Peter, in fact, did. And then after that, well, we, we have Peter there present at the, the empty tomb, right? Um, nevertheless, Peter is, is still out there. Something's got to be done here. Well, that's where we pick up today. John 21, we'll start reading in verse 15, but first let me pray. Our Father, please be with us this morning. We are so grateful for your word, for the gift that it is. Help us to understand. Guide us along in this time that we would see why um, you end this portion of your word in this way. And let us then, Father, let us be convicted over what you would have us do. And we pray it all in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so John chapter 21, beginning in verse 15, it says, When they had finished eating, 
John said, or excuse me, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Now, pause for just a second. You may be familiar with this passage and you may know where it's going, but isn't it poignant that the first question the Lord really asks of Peter is, do you love me? And do you love me more than these? The question is, what are the these that he's referring to? You know, there's an assumption here that people are saying that Jesus is asking Simon if he loves him more than the other disciples love him. Peter, Simon, doesn't matter which name you use. But could it not be that as they are gathered there on the shore with the net and the huge catch laying there beside them? Some might wonder, why did they bring in such a huge catch? Maybe it was for this moment for the Lord to say to Peter, do you love me more than these? In other words, do you love me more than your old way of life? Do you love me more than being a fisherman now that he's perhaps had the greatest catch of his entire life? Do you think Peter's mind would have harkened back to when he was told, come with me and I'll make you a fisher of men? I don't know. I don't know what Jesus is talking about. I don't think it's terribly important. It doesn't matter if he's talking about the other disciples. It doesn't matter. And furthermore, if he is talking about the other disciples, he's saying, oh, no, no, no. He's talking about the other disciples. Is Jesus saying, do you love me more than these men love me? Or do you love me more than you love your fellowship with these men? Your friendship, your association. In other words, your connection. Is your connection with me more important? Remember, this is the same Jesus that talked about the need to, to leave family, father and mother, brother, sister, right? Let the dead bury the dead. Is that what Jesus is asking? Again, we don't know, but it doesn't really matter that much because what matters is the continued interaction. Look at the second part of verse 15. Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Verse 16, again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Now, Time out for just a moment. Let's talk about what Jesus isn't doing here, okay? And, and what Jesus is not doing here is antagonizing Peter. Also, what Jesus is doing here, yes, Peter denied him three times. Jesus asks him three times. Y'all, is that what the source of this, you know, trifold asking is? I don't think so, y'all, because again, Peter's denial was three times over, but one would have been enough. You know, don't, don't attach significance to things that you shouldn't. Even the terminology that Jesus uses. Well, the first time he says lambs. The second time he says, take care of my sheep. Then he says, feed my sheep. I've heard all sorts of arguments where this has turned into some sort of allegory about what real ministry looks like in terms of, you know, take care of the young ones and then the sheep or the older ones. And not only do you have to take care of them, part of taking care of them is feeding them. And 
you could go all day with that sort of metaphor, okay, or that sort of allegory. We need to be very careful when we turn God's word into allegory, though, right? Or, or we make as if everything Jesus says is a, is a metaphor or a parable, and it's not. But there is something that is going on here, and it's fascinating when you look at the Greek language, all right? Remember, New Testament was written in the Greek language. Jesus was speaking Aramaic, but this is written in Greek. What's fascinating here is if you look at the Greek, there are two different terms used for love when Jesus is confronting Peter here. Now, some people make a huge deal out of it. Some say, ah, it's not that big of a deal. I think it kind of is. And again, if you disagree with me, that's fine. But again, being denied three times, Jesus asks the same question of Peter three times. But the fascinating thing is when Jesus said, do you love me more than these? And then when he said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? The first two times that Jesus uses the term love, he uses that term for agape love. That's that complete, comprehensive, self-sacrificing love. Agape love is the highest form of love. Um, the love that lays aside rights, the love that puts the other person first, right? In the Greek language, there really are uh, three forms of love, right? Some could say that there are more, but the first and the highest is agape. The second and the lower form of love is phileo. Now, if you say phileo, what does that mean? You ever heard of Philadelphia? the city of brotherly love. That's taken from the Greek, y'all. Phileo love was that love comes visiting some of our older church members. I love that sort of thing, and I love all the other stuff that goes along with being a pastor. But the primary responsibility I have as a pastor is to feed the Lord's sheep. I'm an under-shepherd of the good shepherd, right? But there is a component that is here for all of us. It doesn't matter what your calling is. If you know the Lord, you are called as a part of God's flock to tend to the flock in the extent that he has gifted you, to serve the flock, to function well within the flock, to not be the sheep that goes astray, but instead the sheep that listens to his master's voice and responds in obedience. In essence, Peter has opened his heart to Jesus, and he said, you know these things. And what is being shown forth here is the Christian life, really belonging to the Lord, being a part of God's people. Now, after the last time Jesus says, feed my sheep, Jesus then tells Peter, I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And Jesus said this to, to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. What Jesus is alluding to here is the fact that Peter himself would be crucified. And according to the history, Peter would, would ask that he be crucified upside down so that he did not emulate his Lord. But nevertheless, y'all, what we've just seen here is the restoration of Peter. Where Jesus doesn't bring up the betrayal. No, he knows that Peter still knows that. 
But instead, Jesus gives Peter the opportunity yet again to commit himself to follow Jesus. Now, there's a lesson here for us, for all of us. And it's this, you know, of all the things that Satan tries to convince us of, those that don't know him, he tries to convince us that we can't be forgiven or that it's unfair for us to be forgiven or, or, or fill in the blank that we're too old to be forgiven, too sinful to be forgiven, too guilty to be forgiven, that the Lord wouldn't waste his time on us. We're not that important. All of these different things. That's what Satan will try to convince you of if you don't know the Lord. All of it's a lie. Like I said yesterday, whenever you have that sense, all that is is Satan being Satan and trying to convince you that God isn't really who he said he is and that his word isn't really true. But for those that know Jesus, Satan tries to do the same sort of thing with us. He tries to convince us that we're too spoiled, that we're too corrupted, that, that we are too guilty, that we've, we've blown our shot that there's no hope for us, that we're too sinful, that we're too this, that we're too that to be used, that we don't know enough, that we don't have the right answers. Satan will do everything he can to convince you of that so that you ultimately will not follow what Jesus has told you to do so that you won't follow him. If anybody could make the argument that, sorry, guys, it's too late for me, wouldn't it be Peter? who had proved himself the grand hypocrite, who had betrayed Christ, who had denied him when Jesus needed him the most? I think it could be. And yet, Jesus restores him again. If you're here today and you say, it's too late for me, I'm too far gone, I'm too this, I'm too that, I'm too whatever. Believe the Lord. Don't listen to yourself. Don't listen to the devil try to convince you of those things. And this is why I believe that John's gospel, you know, the, the argument is, oh, chapter 20 would have been the perfect ending. No, no, no. This is the perfect ending. Because after all of these chapters, after all of these writings, all of these signs that Jesus has given, what is the ultimate culmination? John's already told you why he wrote this, so that, so that you would believe. But the ultimate culmination is the call to follow Christ steady as she goes. That's our calling. And so, verse 20, Peter turned and saw that the other disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Now, what's, what's Peter asking? Is he asking about how John's going to die? Yeah, I think that's what it is. I think Peter recognized when Jesus talked about what was going to happen and how he would be led to a place he didn't want to go. I think Peter may be scared at this. Peter may be wondering. Peter may be jealous. Peter may be remember that John was the one that said, who's going to betray you? Putting all of that aside, verse 22, Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the brothers. Now, that's the last thing there, right? If I want him to remain alive until I return, what's that to you? Then John drops back as the writer and the narrator and says, because of this, the rumor spread among the brothers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? 
You know, what John is doing here is he's dispelling false rumors that had spread about him, that he was some sort of a mortal and that, that he's still around today until Jesus comes back. We know that John is writing this at the end of his life. It's the latest of the Gospels written. He does away with that notion. And he's saying, this isn't about me. It's about Jesus dealing with Peter. So you might say, well, why did he include it? Well, we don't know what he had to deal with. Right? We don't know what was spreading around the early church concerning John about him never dying. or you know, It's almost like Jeremiah Johnson. Did you ever see that movie or, or read the book Liver Eaton Johnson? Right? It was about the guy whose family was killed by Indians. And uh, I guess I'm supposed to say Native Americans, but I'm from South Carolina, y'all. It's, it's still Indians. But nevertheless, family was killed by Indians. And then he went on this rampage. I think it was against the Crow Nation and yeah, they started building this shrine to him. And, and at the end of the movie, somebody says uh, he goes and he finds these people living close to it because nobody will attack them if they live close to this holy shrine. And they think they're all crazy. But nevertheless, the, the guy says to Jeremiah Johnson, some says you're dead on account of this. Some says you can never die. You know, it's a superstitious thing. Is that the kind of thing that John was dealing with? I don't know. I just know he's included it for very good reason. And then John drops back even further. And this is how he ends. He says in verse 24, this is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that could be written. And y'all, that's the perfect ending. With that, the gospel according to John is finished. And what John has done with a statement like that is he has whet our appetites to yet again say, who is this Jesus? And then you start back at chapter 1-1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. What John has done is present a co comprehensive, complete Savior that saves completely. And our calling is to trust. If you are trusting already, keep on going. Take his word for what it is. The testimony is true. If you have not placed your faith in him, don't wait. Do it today. And if you need help, call me, write me. I would love to have that opportunity with you. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your word, for the gospel according to John. And we pray that you would use it in our lives as we've been all the way through chapter by chapter, verse by verse, not a single one skipped. Um, I know that, that what I have done is inadequate because as, as we started with, the gospel according to John is like a pool of water, shallow enough for a child to play, but deep enough for an elephant to swim. Even though it's my prayer that this time has been glorifying to you, that you would use it to transform us. And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, I'll be back Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Hopefully the live stream will work. And if not that, then uh, we will have to see Monday morning at 7 a.m. You may be wondering, well, what are we going to do next? 
Well, you'll just have to wait and see. Y'all know I love a little intrigue, but we'll be back together Monday morning, Lord willing, at 7 a.m. Until then, I hope y'all have a wonderful weekend. Let's see who we have here. I see Becky. Good morning. And then there's Christine. Good morning. And Elizabeth and Alice and Rose and the other Becky and Wayne. Yeah, man, it is nice outside. So, so we will hope that continues. Anyway, appreciate you all so much. Lord willing, we'll see you soon.